0: Welcome to a brand new episode.
1: Mike Driscoll, The Python Show.
0: Hello, and welcome to The Python Show. I'm your host, Mike Driscoll. And today we have a very special guest, Bob from PyBytes. He's the co founder of PyBytes, and he does a lot of other cool stuff. Um, welcome to the show, Bob.
1: Thank you, Mike. Thanks, uh, thanks for having me. I'm excited to be here, and uh, congrats on your podcast. Um, I'm excited seeing you launch it.
0: Yeah, well, thanks. Um, you know, I've been part of the PyBytes community for a few years now, and it's it's just fun to interact with with your website. Could you tell us a little bit about yourself and you know how that all got started?
1: Yeah, of course. Uh, I'm Bob Beldebos. I'm a software developer and co-founder of PyBytes. I was not always a software developer. I actually studied uh, business economics uh, back in Holland. Mm
0: -hmm. But then
1: I moved to Spain in 2004 and got into IT and Unix. And uh, yeah, I got a bit of the scripting bug, uh, seeing what the (laughs) Unix uh, operating system was doing and, and how you could use the command line and all that. And that got me into web development, PHP, and mm-hmm. later, I, yeah, I was kind of stuck in Perl and discovered Python in 2012. And cool, <laughs> was yeah, with the scent of Python, and never I never looked back. It it has been it has been a joyful ride. And then in 2016, we um, launched PyBytes. PyBytes initially as a technical blog. Then we did some courses mm-hmm. with uh, Talk Python. We built our coding platform, uh, which uh, you've been active on as well. Mm-hmm. and uh, since 2020 we um we do now as our main focus coaching coaching people one on one
0: awesome yeah my my uh work with pybytes has all been about the the code challenges which you know my audience should definitely check out it's a really cool product and kind of helps you learn by by coding and uh, some solving solving their unit tests so to speak
1: yeah coding towards the test <laughs> the pytest yeah
0: yeah so um what are some challenges that you had uh creating the Pybytes platform could you if you could you tell us a little bit about that
1: yeah i can i can also give a bit of the backstory how that came about so um initially so we had the blog in 2016 2017 mm-hmm. and we wanted to we quickly discovered we wanted to that our theme was going to be to challenge people, right? To to learn by doing deliberate practice, solving yeah. problems. So we started to announce these um, weekly code challenges on our blog. So we would launch a problem on Monday and by Friday we would have a solution uh, and we would, co- we would have members of the community uh, compare their solutions um, together. Hmm. And then we wanted to automate that whole process with um, basically have a little bit of a platform to automate that, pull request cycle. So that was the ishi- initial aim of the platform, was to make mm-hmm. that that code submission process easier. And I'm not sure where or when, but all of a sudden, we started to fantasize with um, writing Python in a browser and automate it, and, and uh, so mm-hmm. not doing block code challenge anymore, but having like exercises on a platform with, with automated tests. And that became mm-hmm. the platform as we know it today, which has grown to 400 exercises. And we use uh, AWS Lambda, so functions in the cloud, to, uh, mm-hmm. to automate that process of running your code against uh, a set of PyTests. And yeah, it's, uh, cool. it's pretty stable now, and uh, people get a lot of value out of it because the challenges are not necessarily easy, and, and you really have mm-hmm. to struggle your way through it and also learn how to read test failing test code. And uh, yeah. yeah, so it's been a fun, fun ride.
0: Yeah, and there's beginner tests, intermediate tests, super hard tests. So you know, there's a little bit of everything. A little bit of everything. So no matter your skill level, uh, I, I highly recommend it. I think it's a lot of fun. Oh, well, thank but you. So, mm. Some of them are real brain teasers. So just just warning you.
1: <laughs> yeah, there's there's uh, there's something for everybody. We go from the most beginner newbie bites where you have to just learn variables to the very nitty gritty. Regex or bioinform- bioinformatics, mm-hmm. niche, niche stuff, you know. <laughs>
0: yeah, yeah, there's some there's some weird corners that you don't expect to go into in on PyBytes. and that that's kind of what makes it fun. You don't know what what the next bite will be. Will it be easy? Will it be a real challenge? Will you even understand the re- <laughs> the way you end up solving the problem?
1: <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> so anyway. You, it's not just PyBytes uh, challenges, though. You also have a developer mindset mentoring program. Could you, you know, tell us a little bit about that?
1: Yeah, of course. Um, that started in 2020, right uh, before the pi- pandemic hit, and mm-hmm. we were just, um, yeah, looking for ways we could have a greater impact, um, helping people with their developer journey. And it quickly came down to helping people one to one, right, in a coaching capacity. Mm-hmm. So getting calls, doing pair programming, doing code reviewing, and, and really guiding them through the whole process, because it can be pretty overwhelming, especially, as you know, right in our industry, there's a there's a mm-hmm. lot of imposter syndrome, there's tutorial paralysis, and people tend to consume a lot of resources, but what they actually need to do is build um, build mm-hmm. stuff, right, build apps. So we centered the program around building two or three applications end-to-end, and um Yeah. You work with a dedicated coach, um, hmm. doing co- accomplishing that, and it has a double win in the sense that by building bigger things, you hit more issues. It's more complex, but you also come out with um, because we don't provide the projects like a bootcamp. Um, we have you define the um, the client define the projects, so they get to build what they want, what they okay. care about. So you come out with tangible projects that that yeah that that are are going to be awesome on your portfolio.
0: Uh, What do you do if you have a client that doesn't know what they want to build?
1: That's a good question. Yeah, that's uh, ideally they know uh, going in, but we have Mm -hmm. tools, uh, mainly the portfolio assessment where we really have the client brainstorm what their passions are, the previous experience. We also do goal setting. So we definitely help them get to the best uh, possible apps that are in line with their career goals.
0: That's cool. Do you like... So as a coach, do you like give advice on like the whole software development lifecycle or you just like give advice like, oh, you need to add some tests here. You don't have good coverage or this code could be better. You need to refactor it. I mean, how does that work?
1: Yeah, the whole thing, because by building okay. the applications, you're going to well learn a lot of core Python, uh, usually learn a couple of frameworks like FastAPI or Django uh, or maybe something more geared towards data science data visualization, depending what what, uh, you want to build. And, yeah, as it's a project end-to-end, you you get into testing, documentation, CICD. Mm -hmm. Um, People also struggle a lot with Git and GitHub. Um, So that's that's a fundamental core skill um, that becomes second nature because everything we do through pull requests and that Mm -hmm. professional workflow. Um, Yeah, so I would say it, it would cover... Almost everything we do as a developer—it's a good simulation on a smaller yeah. scale how it would be to work as a software developer. It's just a smaller scale, maybe. Yeah.
0: Hmm. I'm curious. What do you do if you if you get a client that wants to do something that you're not with a framework you've never used before? How do you how do you coach them through that?
1: Yeah, that, that's a good question. So, I mean, if it's Python related, we are mostly able to figure it out. We also okay. grow a team of. um now How many? 8 9 coaches. Okay. Um so they all have their specialty um some coaches are stronger on the web development side, other coaches are stronger on the data engineering or data science mm. side or security. They have all their specialties. Um okay. even have some dropping coaches as uh, we call them now. So we have somebody for front end and for machine learning as well. So mm. we're we're increasing the scope. Um, so if there's a complete new requirement if it's python related i think we can figure it out um and it's okay. even better because then also they see because i i'm open about my struggles so we do a mm-hmm. weekly code clinic demo session and this week i had to do an infinite scroll on HTMX, um which i got rusty on and i almost mm. wanted to give up uh, but they saw me struggle through it and that's actually where the best learning um for them happens right so yeah if it's python related and they see us Learn it with them. That's fine. If it's something entirely different, we cannot uh, do. Then, yeah, then we need to have a conversation about that.
0: Yeah, yeah. Like, I just uh, know
1: Vue.js or you know, or something entirely not Python related. Yeah,
0: yeah. Well, Python just has so such a wide variety of different tools and frameworks. I'm like, how do you how do you cover all of those? But it sounds like you have a good team, so that's awesome.
1: Yeah, it's it's also a bit the jet learning approach we have like just-in-time learning so we Mm -hmm. we train ourselves on just to look things up as we go and and not to get too too much uh, stuck into reading complete books or uh, Mm -hmm. we also leverage ai tools Uh, that's definitely a gain um, a win Um, although these tools are nice but you still have to kind of understand what you're asking so (laughs) yes Um, it can be challenging Uh, it's it's not easy but um, and and most projects fall within regular recurring things like django fast api mm-hmm. and the, the usual stuff yeah
0: yeah i would expect that but i was i was thinking like you know you have desktop GUIs, then you have there's just so many different web frameworks now and i was like talking to the guy who did robin i don't know anyone who does the robin framework for example so no, I mean, that was, was the like, first I
1: time i heard about that on your podcast actually yeah yeah
0: <laughs> so i'm like how do you know all this stuff?
1: <laughs> yeah.
0: So, are there like any surprising topics that you uh, find people struggling with to learn in your mentoring program?
1: Yeah. So, I mean, you have the technical challenges. For example, learning Django—that that's a beast, right? It's it's going mm-hmm. to have a steep learning curve because it has so many components. Um, but actually, I think the the most Or the biggest struggle is really the mindset side so more like things around imposter syndrome uh, having the consistency to to work on a project for 12 weeks or well Mm -hmm. six weeks whatever the the time is for that project overcoming um yeah if you get stuck right to actually reach out to your coach and and really persist through and Mm -hmm. and be open to ask questions um so that, that can be a struggle, right? So and that's more like on the soft skill side, I would say. Yeah. Um, yeah. So that that was um, a bit of a surprise or shiny object syndrome, right? When people, mm-hmm. uh, as you say, right, there's so many frameworks and people get sidetracked because there's another sexy framework coming and coming out, and, and they yeah. want to dive into it, and then they get distracted from the main goal, which is to build our thing in fast API or whatnot. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, but that's that's again more I would bucket that as soft skills or mindset.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I'm I'm a little bit curious since you mentioned that they you have specialty coaches. Does that mean that you know let's say I'm creating a web framework for some some application like Twitter? You 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 might coach me on the Twitter part, but when it comes to securing it, do I switch to the security coach?
1: Or There's or not there a security coach? coach yet. Um we now have specialties uh front end and machine learning. Uh, But yeah, that could become a requirement to have somebody for security or somebody for building your SaaS product. That could be a very cool option as well for us to add. But so far, we have uh, machine learning or data science and front end, yeah.
0: But what I'm getting at is, would you switch? Like let's say, I get the front end done, but then I need some of that data science on the back end to process the data. Would I switch coaches? Have you done So that for before? now the dropping
1: coaches do like a one-time consult. Um, but we're actually okay. also thinking about doing a specialty track of six weeks. So we started with mm-hmm. PDM. Um, we actually built now the the other end, so the the complete novice program we uh, launched okay. a month ago, which is PDI or Pivots Developer Init. That gets you from novice to intermediate, but we're we're also now thinking after PDM. So after PDM we were mm-hmm. thinking about PDS or high developer specialization, where after becoming advanced in PDM, mm-hmm. you branch out into a specialty, and that—that's definitely something we, the, the what's next oh, nice. question for us, yeah, yeah.
0: That, that'd be cool. Yeah, there's a there's a ton of specialties, so that yeah, be, yeah, the be really DevOps, interesting.
1: Uh, Yeah, there, there's a lot you can do there. Yeah, security. Yeah,
0: yeah, system admin, data scientist. What was that one, uh, Machine Learning Operations, which is like DevOps, but for machine learning? I've oh, been,
1: like I, MLOps, yeah.
0: Yeah, I just learned about that in the last month, and I'm like, that sounds really cool. <laughs> yeah,
1: it's, it's, <laughs> no, it's never-ending. Yeah yeah,
0: yeah, yeah, the list just goes on. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, you're an entrepreneur. Uh, what are some of the life, life lessons that you've learned uh, for creating all these different businesses?
1: Yeah, that's, uh, that's interesting. Um, I think... You have to wear multiple hats so i still Mm -hmm. do coding but much less than when i was a full-time software developer so now i'm working with clients Um, you need to attract new clients so that's marketing and sales Uh, we have a team now so you're leading people so you have to develop a little bit of management skills yeah Um, yeah content creation That has been always there, but it's also kind of a different head. Mm -hmm. Uh, A lot Mm -hmm. of deep work required. Um, So, yeah, I think definitely if you want to become an entrepreneur, you have to be pretty, yeah, a bit well-rounded in the sense that you're not only going to do your favorite thing, which is coding. Uh, Actually, it becomes increasingly working with people. Well, you also work Mm -hmm. with people as a software developer, but I can totally... See those days that you were just sitting in your coding dungeon, right? And yeah, you would interface with people, but you were most of the time coding. You start a business, it it changes, right? It becomes more people, um, different hats. And also a bit of the mindset, right? Like um, when you have a job, it can be, well, I was going to say pretty stable, but that's not the case anymore. Mm -hmm. Um, But (laughs) again, with the sales and marketing as an entrepreneur, I feel sometimes you have more responsibilities because again, you, you not only have to do the work. You also have mm-hmm. to bring in the clients, et cetera. right? So, yeah, those are some lessons. Um, yeah, maybe you have more specific questions around that.
0: No, well, I would hope that you know once you've got your your business cemented, that you know word of mouth would help with the marketing, so you don't have to do as much of it over time.
1: That's is true. That... Okay, and, good. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It is true, and I think it's it's also very important, especially uh, for coaching. Um, because it's all about relationship building um mm-hmm. and that's where our word of mouth is very important uh, i wouldn't say that marketing um slash content creation becomes less we're still spending yeah. a lot of time on that i mean doing the podcast uh, youtube uh articles less but still from time to time uh, a lot of posting mainly on linkedin twitter a little less but yeah there's Mm-hmm. that's a lot and yeah you know right because you're pretty prolific as well on on, on the but yeah the, i'm pretty impressed by that how how much you you put out and how you build your followers
0: what uh maybe you have some good tips for marketing whatever what whatever you use to learn how to market successfully
1: i i wouldn't say i'm good at it necessarily but <laughs> <laughs> it's, it is an ongoing learning but um, do you have any
0: recommended resources then
1: yeah so would it even be the same like content creation and marketing right like in Mm -hmm. a sense content creation is also spreading the knowledge um, it is and marketing is kind of a subset of that where where you also then you know promote your your products i think Mm -hmm. they go hand in hand i think consistency is important um post every week i post every day but at least do it every week Mm -hmm. um yeah always come up with new interesting content um yeah and again for coaching it's really about relationship building right so you we, okay. we get people on the call, we send video messages, we follow up with them right so that's that's very important
0: mm-hmm. um
1: so yeah I also see it a lot as as conversation and and relationship building um that's also why we have the community it's 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 a friendly place and um yeah we we really want to bring also together people that are passionate about this and and have them share and and Mm -hmm. have wins wins together.
0: Yeah. Well, changing the topic slightly, have you ever thought about uh, creating uh, PyBytes for other languages like, you know, JavaScript or C++ or anything like that?
1: Yeah, I have. Um, And I was thinking about JavaScript. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Not that I love it so much necessarily, uh, but, you know, I've been doing a lot of web development and JavaScript is, is the language of the web. Um, mm-hmm. So if you're active in that space, then... I mean, we have HTMX now, so you can get very slick um, website effects without writing JavaScript. But yeah. I think regardless, you need to know at least some JavaScript issue if you're a web developer. So that I has crossed agree. my mind. Um, and I even already have a domain and and I wanted to <laughs> apply the uh, the same formula with bytes, with test, but... Yeah, it would just be a whole different animal, and
0: yeah, uh,
1: um, yeah, uh, I prefer to focus on the the Python and and the coaching right now. That's yeah, for I do <laughs> It's just yeah, right really I know
0: Python's the, Python's the way to be, but I was just like that'd be really cool to be able to do it in like JavaScript or, or like Rust. I've heard a lot of good things about Rust.
1: And yeah, that that definitely piques my interest as well. Uh, with all the developments, um, with the um, the linter, right? The um yeah, rough. Ruff? Yeah. And yeah. Uh, P- what Pydentic is doing, what is that? Like 17 time performance gain with the mm-hmm. V2 engine. So it's mind blowing, right?
0: <laughs> yeah. Rust sounds like a really cool tool to combine with Python. So,
1: yeah. I heard it's not easy to learn. It's, uh,
0: yeah. I've heard it's not terrible. It's not like a C learning curve, but it's definitely more than Python is.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I plan to read, um, Rust in Action um, by um, Mcnamara seems mm-hmm. to be a very good book. Also introduces you. What's also appealing to me is that what the book at least was stating was that it will also introduce you to more of computing and how how the actual machine works. So okay, which is often abstracted away for us with Python. So that could be a nice reason, yeah. excuse, challenge to to also pick up Rust. But yeah, I'm. Just too busy with Python, coaching Python people, you know?
0: <laughs> yeah, I know. Yeah. I have had a friend of mine who's who's challenged himself to learn a little bit of Rust and he says it kind of makes you better you think about your Python code better because your the the Rust code is all about types and making sure that, that the compiler teaches you how to write the code. And then he's like he can apply some of those concepts to his Python code and make it yeah, better, yeah. which is which is why I'm kinda curious about it myself.
1: Yeah, that's a good point. It's, it's, uh, it's similar when you move countries and then you've lived in a different country, you look back on your own country and you see it with a different a different view. You know. Yeah. Um, so yeah, when yeah. you go to Rust and come back to Python, then you will probably say, I won't write any Python without type-ins anymore.
0: <laughs> Possibly. <laughs> or you might hate the typing system and go back to yeah, or just say Python. <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> oh, careers. do you use type-ins yourself?
0: Um, for my books, I don't usually do it because it makes the code harder to explain. Um, but in like blog posts, I'll sometimes use it because I, um, it, it, it does, it, it's, it's weird. Type ins are a weird beast because, in one respect, you can read the code and you know exactly what's going on because everything's hinted. But in a book format, it's really hard to get it formatted on the page so that it looks nice. Mm. Because you only have so much width to work with and you can't, you know, you can't like make the page of a book smaller or larger yeah, except in an ebook. So you have these wrapping issues that I never think about unless I'm writing a book and those wrapping issues can make your code completely unreadable if you do it wrong. I've I've had lots of problems with that. So that's the only reason I don't use it in my books is because it makes the wrapping issues way worse.
1: Yeah, interesting. Can, can well, Black out of formatting help with that, maybe?
0: Well, the problem is that Black likes to uh, put the hints all on one uh, one per line. Yeah. And so now you have code going across multiple pages. Yeah, yeah. Which is really hard to explain because now you have to flip back to read the code that I'm talking about. Or you have to cut out snippets yeah. and try to talk about the snippets. And so it's it's kind of a no-win situation when it comes to hints in books. But it's a better, better life on on the blog. I can definitely talk about hints way easier on the on my blog because I don't have that that width requirement except on on mobile. Yeah. So I, I, sure. I will use it. I will use it in blogs. I'll use it, not not a ton, but I will use it there, and I'll use it uh, probably my Substack newsletter a little mm-hmm. bit, and and in real code. That also depends on your team. You know, yeah. some teams. Some teams, you have a lot of um, people from other languages, like C++ or C or Java, and they expect types, and that'll help them learn the Python better if you use type hinting.
1: Yeah, but they, they might not embrace it. Yeah, that's yeah, true. Yeah, they
0: might be like, it's too confusing without the types. And I think that's a nice stopgap to help them get onboarded into your code system, your code base. Yeah. But, you know, if you're working with people who've done Python for a long time, I don't think it matters as much.
1: Yeah. Mm-hmm. Cool, cool.
0: All right. Well, I think we've reached the end of my questions. So I just want to thank you so much for being on the show, Bob, and telling us all about your adventures in Python.
1: Yeah, no, thank you for having me. Uh, it, was, it was great to be here. And uh, yeah, thanks for uh, having me on to share.
0: Yeah, no problem. I hope you'll come on again someday.
1: I'd uh, Love to. Thank you. All right.
0: Well, we'll talk to you later. And... Y'all check out PyBytes if you get a chance.
1: Follow on Apple Podcasts. Mike Driscoll, The Python Show.